Hello, hello, hello. This is A Little Spooky, a podcast about things that scare us just a little bit. Things like cryptids, conspiracies, or when your dog wakes you up from a very deep sleep, but then you realize you don't have a dog. <gasps> My name is Everett. And I'm Colleen. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I have a, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Well, more, more of a, a point I want to make. Oh, God. Okay. So Shrek is an ogre, right? Right. Don't you think it's a little convenient that Princess Fiona's curse turns her into an ogre as well? Like they're just a match made in heaven. Why wasn't she turned into like a werewolf or like a slime monster or something? Would you have watched that movie? I'm just saying it's a little convenient. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> something that's been bothering me all day. I have an actual question for you. On average, how many times a day do you think about Shrek? <laughs> well, today too many, but on on average, <laughs> what is it that spurs your normal Shrek related thoughts? Uh, maybe I'll hear Smash Mouth in passing, or I don't know, have a big blob of earwax I need to get out. That makes me think of Shrek. All right, God, I'd say at gross. least twice a day. Twice a day. That's it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I wonder if there's a statistic out there that's like on average men think about Shrek every eight seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shrexy. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we talking about today, Colleen? Today we are venturing into the realms of the creepy pasta. Mm. Creepy pesto. I like it. I like creepy pasta. Yes. This creepy pasta is spooky. It's creepy. I hope so. It's kooky and ooky. But there's a backstory behind it or a history to it that is not what I expected. Okay. Have you heard of the Smiling Man? Yes. Okay. That's this an this, older one. Yes, it's a very popular creepy pasta. Yeah, it's like at the height of like popularity of creepy pastas. I feel like like right around like twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Yes. Yeah, and actually, I'm I'm bad. I did not look at what year this was. Well, written, yeah, I feel like it was from that time though. It was written for Reddit by user Blue Tidal. Title like T I D A L. Oh, okay. So blue title, and it it goes it goes like this. <clears throat> Gather around, children. About five years ago, I lived downtown in a major city in the U.S. I've always been a night person, so I would often find myself bored after my roommate, who was decidedly not a night person, would go to sleep. To pass the time, I used to go for long walks and spend that time thinking. I spent four years like that, walking alone at night and never once had a reason to feel afraid. <laughs> white man privilege. You assume he's white. True. He probably is. Man but, privilege. Yeah. I always used to joke with my roommate that even the drug dealers in the city were polite. <laughs> but all of that changed in just a few minutes of one evening. It was a Wednesday, somewhere between one and two in the morning, and I was walking near a police patrolled park quite a ways from my apartment. It was a quiet night, even for a weeknight, with very little traffic and almost no one on foot. The park, as it was most nights, was completely empty. I turned down a short side street in order to loop back to my apartment when I first noticed him. At the far end of the street, on my side, was the silhouette of a man dancing. It was a strange dance, similar to a waltz, but he finished each box with an odd forward stride. I guess you could say he was dance-walking, headed straight for me. Deciding he was probably drunk, I stepped as close as I could to the road to give him the majority of the sidewalk to pass me by. The closer he got, the more I realized how gracefully he was moving. He was very tall and lanky and wearing an old suit. He danced closer still until I could make out his face. His eyes were open wide and wild, his head tilted back slightly looking off at the sky. His mouth was formed in a painfully wide cartoon of a smile. Between the eyes and the smile, I decided to cross the street before he danced any closer. I took my eyes off of him to cross the empty street. As I reached the other side, I glanced back and then stopped dead in my tracks. He had stopped dancing and was standing with one foot in the street perfectly parallel to me. He was facing me, but still looking skyward, smile still on his lips. I was completely and utterly unnerved by this. 
I started walking again, but kept my eyes on the man. He didn't move. Once I had put about half a block between us, I turned away from him for a moment to watch the sidewalk in front of me. The street and sidewalk ahead of me were completely empty. Still unnerved, I looked back to where he had been standing to find him gone. For the briefest of moments, I felt relieved until I noticed him. He had crossed the street and was now slightly crouched down. I couldn't tell for sure due to the distance in the shadows, but I was certain he was facing me. I had looked away from him for no more than 10 seconds, so it was clear that he had moved fast. I was so shocked that I stood there for some time staring at him. And then he started moving towards me again. He took giant, exaggerated, tiptoed steps as if he were a cartoon character sneaking up on someone, except he was moving very, very quickly. I'd like to say at this point I ran away or pulled out my pepper spray or my cell phone or anything at all, but I didn't. I just stood there, completely frozen, as the smiling man crept towards me. And then he stopped again, about a car length away from me, still smiling his smile, still looking to the sky. When I finally found my voice, I blurted out the first thing that came to my mind. What I meant to ask was, what do you want, in an angry, commanding tone. But what came out was a whimper. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I imagine he said it. Regardless of whether or not humans can smell fear, they can certainly hear it. I heard it in my own voice, and that only made me more afraid. But he didn't react to it at all. He just stood there, smiling. And then, after what felt like forever, he turned around very slowly and started dance-walking away. Just like that. Not wanting to turn my back to him again, I just watched him go until he was far enough away to almost be out of sight. And then I realized something. He wasn't moving away anymore, nor was he dancing. I watched in horror as the distant shape of him grew larger and larger. He was coming back my way, and this time he was running. I ran too. I ran until I was off of the side road and back onto a better lit road with sparse traffic. Looking behind me then, he was nowhere to be found. The rest of the way home, I kept glancing over my shoulder, always expecting to see his stupid smile, but he was never there. I lived in that city for six months after that night, and I never went out for another walk. There was something about his face that always haunted me. He didn't look drunk. He didn't look high. He looked completely and utterly insane. And that's a very, very scary thing to see. There's a lot to unpack from that story, I feel like. What are your thoughts? Well, first impression, that is just putting myself in this dude's shoes. Very creepy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the greatest no, no, no. reader, but... No, it was fine. And I think... It was very well written, too. I'm just yes, saying. I think it was a well written short story. Compared to a lot of other creepypastas I've heard and read. Yes. But, but what is it about him that's the creepiest? It's so. It's not supernatural or anything. So, like, this could feasibly happen. It doesn't seem supernatural to you, the speed he was moving at? Well, yeah. I, I suppose when I was. When I said that, I meant his appearance. Like, he just. The only thing that was really odd was the cartoonishly wide smile. Imagery that pops in my mind is a couple things. Spring-heeled Jack, when he was doing the long strides on his tiptoes, mm. I get like that kind of vibe, like a Batman villain type vibe from that. Mm -hmm. um, I also am really creeped out by the fact that like he just was walking away or dancing away and then just suddenly decided, hey, I'm going to run right back at you really yeah, fast. That's terrifying. Yeah. And he never looked at him either. He was always looking at the sky. Right. So how could he keep track of him? Like where he was? Just how could he follow yeah, just him? Just peripheral so vision. But right. just the fact that he would never even looked at him is just looking upward or like angled upward is really weird. Right. Well, I did a little digging into the the actual writer of this story because from what I know about creepypastas, which isn't much, I don't read creepypastas that often, is they're basically just scary stories written by Reddit users. Yeah, I wouldn't even say they're necessarily, like, have to be Reddit. No. But, like, no, just no, a, no, scar like, a scary story on the internet. A internet scary story. But but they're not meant to be taken as truth. They're meant to be no. scary stories. Right. Well, this person, Blue Title, I do not know if he or she is man or woman. I thought he said that he was a he in the story. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just assumed he was. Uh, No, he never... Oh, okay. I'm, I'm calling him he. Okay, sure. But he, they never refer to themselves okay. in any gender. 
There is a subreddit called R the Smiling Man because this became such a popular creepypasta. Yeah, it, huge. it started to become similar to the rake in that people started seeing the smiling yeah, man. Yeah, like Slender Man and a lot of the yes, other really like it popular became ones. real. Like uh what's the, what's that name of that creature? Um the thing like it's thought magic basically where you can will it into a tulpa. Yeah, a tulpa. Yeah. Right. Yes. Same thing with Slender Man, too. It's like no one would have ever, like, those two girls that tried to kill their friend in Wisconsin, like, they never would have done that if it wasn't for the sake of the story being so popular. Right. Yes. And I would put this sort of on par with Slender Man, essentially. But this guy, Blue Title, found that subreddit and was like, hey, I didn't know this existed. I wrote that story. Ask me whatever you want. Yeah. Then they asked him a bunch of questions. But according to him, this actually happened to him. Okay. And in Seattle. And he maintains that he does not believe in the supernatural and he doesn't think that it was a supernatural being. He just thinks there was some crazy crazy guy. I mean, that's kind of the vibe I got from the story, too. I mean, he was very fast, but I didn't get supernatural vibes from the story. Right. So before you read this story, have you had you heard of the smiling man? Was that a concept you were already kind of aware of? You mean before you read it? No, or? Bef- like you said you've heard of The Smiling Man before. Yeah, when it like got really popular like Okay, so you've only ever heard it in the context of this story. Yeah, yeah. It, you don't feel like you had heard of it before? It was a concept that existed before I mean, this story was written? creepy smile being... Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like, what's that show? Courage the Cowardly Dog. There was one of the bad guys in that show that had, like, a creepy smile. I feel like that's not a new thing. The, the concept of The Smiling Man goes back decades which i wonder if that's a why this story became popular is it kind of people had the smiling man in the back of their brains and this kind of put a story to it yeah and there's just something so unsettling about someone that is constantly smiling and won't stop smiling like they're not human it's like someone putting on a mask yes, or something and that's that's creepy yeah super creepy there's a bunch of other earlier instances of smiling man sightings that are not necessarily related to this story. Okay. But they could be. Sure. They could be referring to the same smiling man. For instance, October 16th, 1966, James Yankitis and Martin Munov were two boys who were hanging out on Elizabeth Street in New Jersey. They were walking towards an elevated area with a wired fence when suddenly they saw a very tall, lanky, humanoid figure looking at them through the fence. Okay. As they walked towards him, they started to feel like an intense sense of fear for no reason other Mm -hmm. than strange man staring at them. They realized that he had a weird, creepy, cartoonish smile, a dark tan, little round beady eyes, and a sparkling green coverall outfit with a black belt around his waist. And they did not stick around to see anymore. They ran away. They don't remember him having hair. They don't remember him having a nose or ears. That could also be because they only got a quick glance at him. Right. So basically what that means is they're just not like distinguishable features. Right. Like it's not saying he didn't have ears or nose. Well, they're saying he may or may not have. Right. It's just they didn't notice them in the quick encounter. Right. He did not seem to chase them. He just kind of leered at them menacingly. And that night in New Jersey, there were several UFO reported UFO sightings. Interesting. What year was this? 1966. That's isn't that the same year as Mothman? Yes. Yes, it is. And we will get into that as Uh, well. We don't get too far into Mothman in this. It's just it's kind of an interesting coincidence that they would occur the same time in the same place. I feel like all across the country, but especially in like the east and northeast, there was just those that, that five-year period, it's just like constant cryptid and UFO stuff happening. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, around that, that year, there were more sightings of that same figure. One family saw him when they were out and about. One girl woke up and saw him at the end of her bed. Like the rake. Yep, yes, a lot like the rake. And all of these happened, again, like right before Mothman, so they got buried in the news. I mean, like oh, they were yeah. news at the time, but, but like... Yeah, Mothman was huge news, especially yes. locally in the like that area of the country, I'm sure. Yes, right. So you remember an image that went along 
with the smiling man story I read at the beginning. Yep. Can you describe it? Yeah, the one thing I definitely thought of when you told this story from 66, the main difference was the beady eyes versus the large eyes. Mm -hmm. Because I remember in that picture, didn't he have really big eyes and then the big smile? Yeah, so the picture that that goes, that usually turns up in tandem with that creepypasta is, it's a drawing of a man. He kind of has like a... What do you call that? Ducktail, like Danny Zuko style, sure. like hair pushed back. Yep. Super creepy, abnormally wide ear to ear smile. Right. Yep. It looks a lot like a drawing from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. If yes. You ask me. Yes. I am now looking at it. And yeah, I, will I forgot post... what this picture looked like, but now I'm looking at it again. Yes. And I will post this picture on our social meds just so you can obviously see what i'm talking yeah. about the listener beware this is a very creepy picture so if it pops up on your like twitter feed or something don't be alarmed yes but the reason i brought that picture up is because that image is actually a distorted version of a drawing created by the man who claims to have met and seen and been in contact with the real smiling man mm -hmm. this encounter took place one month after those two boys in New Jersey encountered what they called the smiling man. Okay. Where? This took place in West Virginia. West so, Virginia, Mothman country. Exactly. So this is a very long and specific story. And this man gave like a deposition about it and a to like a court? Like to, to, a, a to an investigator. Oh, okay. And a book was written about it. That was the entire word for word what he said. And how he said it was written down in this book that I read. Okay. So, and when you say investigator, like for the police, like a private investigator? Uh, just a paranormal investigator, oh, but okay. a famous one. Okay. He was also, he was famous for investigating Mothman as well. So interesting. you may know him because you're a Mothman stan. Here's how the story of the encounter with the real smiling man went. It was cold and rainy around 7 p.m. on the evening of November 2nd, 1966. A salesman named Woodrow Derenberger drove his Ford Econovan down I-77 from Marietta, Ohio, to his home in Mineral Wells, West Virginia. There was a car behind him that was indicating that they needed to pass him. Like flashing lights at him or something? Yep. So Woody just kept on driving straight and he let the car pass. But what he didn't originally see was that right behind that car, when he looked out his rearview mirror... There was a giant, shiny, dark gray ship that was about 50 feet long and somewhere between 12 and 20 feet tall at its tallest point, which is an interesting, I mean, that's an eight foot difference, but. Yeah. So, so based on those dimensions, it's probably like a, not saucer shaped, but more like the cigar shaped type craft that was. No, he describes it actually as flared out at both ends. And then it comes into like a small neck and then there's a big bulge in the middle, like a TIE fighter. Oh, OK. So like basically two wings with a ball in them, like a snitch. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. So it's like whoever's driving this craft is most likely in that ball. Yes. And he specifically describes it as a kerosene lamp chimney. But like, who knows? What that actually <laughs> it's a TIE fighter. Right. It's a TIE fighter. So this ship pulls out right in front of him and it swings across the interstate to cut him off. And obviously he slams on the brakes. He skids to a stop 10 feet away from this craft. Why? Why is it driving on the road if it's flying? Why is it cutting people? off? <laughs> I'm not sure. Look, I wasn't there. No, I know. I'm just saying in general, like what a dick that the alien was. Right. Well, as he's sitting in his car, like probably hyperventilating, I almost died. And, and what, who, is, what this? is going on? Yeah. A man steps out. Like a human-looking man steps out of this ship. Now, this man was around 5'10 or 5'11, about 185 pounds. So, like, average, average guy. Yeah. He had extremely dark, thick hair combed back over his head, kind of like in a 1950s DuckTales-style Danny Zuko sort of look, and was described as having a very good tan. Mm. So here, Suave. Yes, but the, here's the thing. The man... That those two boys described, they described him, I believe, closer to six feet, which 5'11". An inch. An inch or so. <laughs> um, but they described him as bald. 
but he did have a very good tan. That's right. In both instances. And he was wearing a green, whatever you said, and he green was wearing jumpsuit. A green jumpsuit. Now, Blue Tidal went into a description of this smiling man that he saw, mm-hmm. and he describes him as a middle-aged man between 6'2 and 6'5 with thick, dark hair and an old-fashioned suit. Old-fashioned okay. meaning like 50s, not like Victorian style. Right, yeah. And he had relatively narrow facial features. So you can see they have... There's similarities. There's differences, for sure. I don't see much similarity between the Smiling Man creepypasta version versus the other two guys. Tall, lanky. I mean, I wouldn't say 5'11 or 6' is tall. That's closer to average versus 6'5". Well, now, but in the Well, I know, but versus 6'5", that's a huge difference. Yes, yep. I guess I was just thinking it's the smile, the Well, yeah, of course, the smile. And the hair, the dark hair. There's similarities between the three of them. Maybe they're not all similar to each other, but like pairs of them have similarities. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, back to Woody Derenberger. The alien, let's call him an alien. Okay. The alien walks out of the ship and he walks towards Woody's car and he has a very wide, abnormally large, off-putting smile that never goes away. Just a blank stare Mm -hmm. with a wide smile. And that is the drawing. The original drawing. Sorry. That image is what Woody based his drawing on, Uh, the original drawing, and that drawing is what was distorted and connected with the creepypasta. And I'm sorry if I missed it, and I don't know if it's even important, but in this encounter, what was he wearing? He was wearing a blue shiny suit, jumpsuit, similar to the... The Uh, two boys. Yes, same with blue, a belt around the middle, green. but it's blue. But same like shiny material. And there's also a belt around the middle, you said? I or? believe so. I don't actually have that written down, but I do remember reading that in the deposition. Okay. So my details may be off, but it was a similar, Very similar. shiny. Like <laughs> like not a material you would generally see people wearing clothes out of. Yeah. So this creepy, smiling, blank-faced guy stands outside of Woody Derenberger's car window and telepathically speaks to him, staring him in the eyes with this wide smile, <laughs> not saying a single word, but he can hear like the, in his head. Like our, in a previous episode, the brains, the Palos Verdes yes. or whatever. Only it's creepier because this guy looks like a human. Yeah, he's, he's staring smiling at him. And staring yeah. at you. So this man tells Woody that his name is Indrid Cold, and he's a searcher from the planet Lanulos. Lanulose. Lanulose. He asks Woody a bunch of innocuous questions about, like, what's his name? What city are we in? What do people do here? You know, kind of like. <laughs> what do you do here for fun? Well, no, more of like what. <laughs> yeah, no. What is the point? Yeah, what, what, what do you do as a racer? Right. Essentially, it seemed like this guy had never been on Earth before and wanted, was just curious about what's going on. Woody obviously seemed terrified, as we would all be. So. Indrid Cold said, quote, Mr. Derenberger, I am the same as you are. I eat, sleep, even breathe as you do. They talked a few more minutes about like random innocuous stuff. And then Indrid told Woody to go to the local authorities and report this event. And then he looked at Woody and he said, we will meet again. Mm-hmm. And then he got in the ship and went straight up. Also similar to the brains. Yeah, we're like, well, meet again. Yeah, yes, like, why they can't they just too. air all their shit out at once? I don't understand why there have to be multiple meetings. That's true. Stop wasting my time with this boring bullshit and get to the point <laughs> of your message. This is like a meeting I had at work today. Total waste of time. Mm. Could have written it in an email. <laughs> Anyways, um, after this encounter, Woody is freaked out and he races home his wife notices something is wrong and she says sit down tell me what happened so woody tells her the entire story Mm -hmm. word for word she's probably skeptical yeah (laughs) and is like you're probably just tired something happened she knew uh, right she knew there was clearly something wrong because he wasn't his normal self something had clearly happened so they called the police as indrid told them to do And when they're done 
relating the story to the police instead of getting laughed at as i would assume they would the police said don't don't worry about it because we've received two other reports of the exact same thing happening to two different people tonight mm-hmm. what when they mean encounters with him too and not just encounters with the craft well one family was a woman and two kids they were driving in a car immediately behind woody Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and they saw the ship in the air. Okay. So they corroborated his. Yes. Story. And then there was a kid driving on the same highway, like around the same time. And he saw the ship hovering above him, and the ship actually beamed a light onto his car. Then two truck drivers were stopped in the exact same way Woody was. So they had like. Oh, so the they same actually encountered encounter. him. Yep. Okay. So once word gets out about his story and the fact that it was kind of corroborated by other people, Woody becomes like something of a local celebrity. I mean, this is West Virginia in 1966. Everyone's obsessed with Mothman and all the other stuff that's happening, too. Yeah. So people like would go interview him. They camped out on his lawn. They he was a major celebrity. People were coming to his house at all hours to ask him to tell the story. And weird. It's almost like he's a prophet or something yes that's what that's what he made it sound like in his yeah i'm calling it a deposition i'm not sure what the the right word his tail right so two days after this encounter on november 4th indrid cold contacts him again i keep wanting him to be indrid cole no for some i know i know i know but it just sounds weird saying indrid cold i know and i it's a strange it's a strange name. Yeah. <laughs> Very alien. Yes. But also not like it sounds. He it used sounds a like name it, generator yes, or something. Or like in any language, it would sound like a foreign name. Like to me, this kind of sounds like a Norwegian. Somebody tried to come up with a Norwegian name. Yeah. <laughs> or, or something. Anyways, he contacts Woody telepathically again, two days later. Okay. And over the course of time, several weeks months they either meet in person or telepathically a lot like all the time interesting so there's not like a issue with distance like they no. they can talk telepathically even when indrid is not there correct yep okay. so over the course of these all of these meetings indrid basically tells woody the whole history of his existence Indrid's existence. Right. He tells Woody that there's a planet called Lanulos in the galaxy of Ganymede. He says their planet is pretty much the exact same as Earth. And he even took samples of the water and vegetation to compare with Lanulos. And with a few exceptions, they're exactly the same. He doesn't say what the exceptions are. I imagine they're not important. Right. (laughs) Apparently. Basically, it's another Earth in another galaxy. The only reason that Lanulos has spaceship technology and Earth does not is because the people of Lanulos have been spending more time learning space technology than Earth people have. So we need to get a move on with Space Force. Essentially, yes. Like we've been spending time on other stuff. Yeah. Lanulos has three seasons. Interesting. Planting, harvesting, and cold. Mm. And the people of Lanulos have a life expectancy of around 175 Earth years. Eventually, Indrid Cold and a couple of the people that also work on his ship or were on his ship, a couple aliens that were also on his ship, allow Woody to, to enter the ship. And he goes through a decontamination process. They gave him some kind of shot. They made him take some kind of antibacterial shower. And then they, they brought him to Lanulos. And honestly, Whoa. yes. I I want to point out uh, he gave no timeline. Yeah, in how long that, that it actually was going to be my question. Yeah, no, there's absolutely no timeline. But the from his description, it took maybe an hour, maybe two or three hours. But so, it took like an hour to get there. So their ship must be crazy fast. Well, yeah, I was going to say, assuming this is real, right? Of course, they must have some sort of technology to warp because traveling to another galaxy. Even if you're moving at the speed right. of light, the nearest star in our galaxy to our star, I think, is like 10 light years away. Right. So right. And that's, that's still why in our when galaxy. I was reading this, I was like, this <laughs> something's off. Yeah. Then again, we're talking about spaceships. So who knows? True. OK, so when they get onto the planet, they basically give them the old tour. They walk around. 
They show Woody around. He meets a bunch of people. And from everything that he describes, Lanulos is just a utopian nudist colony. Nice. According to Indrid Cold, there are no misunderstandings on Lanulos ever because everybody communicates telepathically. So all emotions can at all times be conveyed and understood without words. Mm, I have some understanding now. That's the reason for the smile. Because he doesn't know how to smile. So he right, had to he put probably on a has fake no smile. Needs, right. Could be. I never even thought of that. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Mm-hmm. Why have a face then? At all. You gotta eat. About, yeah, he okay. said he has to eat and breathe. That's a good, that's a good point. I'm going to take that dumb sentence back. Apparently, according to Indracold, humans, Earth humans, also have the ability to communicate telepathically. Well, obviously they do because, what's his name, Woody? He's yes. doing it too. With, right. With I Indrid. find it interesting, though, that Indrid would know that, given that his first encounter with Woody, he made it seem like he knew nothing about Earth and what people did and what humans were like. Well, I think at this point in the story, Indrid couldn't make that assumption because he's already telepathically communicating right. with Woody. Right. So apparently we we can do this telepathic communication, but we just don't know how to relax our minds enough to allow others to truly know our thoughts. Mm, we all have to become Buddhist monks or something to... Right. Like, yeah, do that. So, like, here's where it gets, like, more cheesy. Lanulins do not understand the meaning of the word hate, and there have never <laughs> been any wars or fighting. Never. Right. They're run by a confederation of planets that pretty much just sounds like the U.S. House of Representatives. Okay. There's no class system. Everybody who can work, works, and they pick whatever job they want, whatever job will make them happy. The government only gives you as much money as you need to survive, though. Right. So, like, you're working, but you're not making a wage. You're just getting what the government deems necessary yep. for you to survive. So and it's like true, true communism. Right. And if you need more money, you get it. They, it. He, They made it very clear that it's not like you're given a set amount of money and then if it's gone, it's gone. It's more of if you need money, you get money. Right. And everybody has the same standard of living. Yeah. So like that's like the actual end point in the communist manifesto. Yes. That it's is, a communist utopia. Right. Which is impossible but right the people of lanulos are allowed to only have two children to avoid overpopulation mm-hmm. but you are allowed to adopt as many kids as you want so apparently they still like can die in accidents and illnesses and stuff so orphans i guess are a thing sure so you can have a family however large you want but you can only have two biological children okay oh i'm sorry they're called lanulations I said lanulins. They're okay. lanulations. I, I, I like the word lanulite. I suppose it could be anything, really. Yeah. They have an interesting view of what people on Earth are supposed to be like. So the people of Lanulos had heard of Earth before. Okay. But apparently we are rumored to be like the Klingons of the universe. Mm, like a constantly. Barbarians. Yeah, so just constant warring clans. Always fighting over stuff that doesn't need to be fought about. I mean, there is some Com- truth <laughs> it's to that. It's not completely untrue. Here's what's interesting. There are actually families from Earth on Lanulos. What? And they left Earth and they have houses and like play tennis and stuff. wonder if that's where Bobby Fischer went. Where is he? Where'd he go? I don't know. Where did Bobby Fischer <laughs> go? So that's Lanulos. That's, it's essentially, it's a nudist utopia even Woody makes a whole point in his story about how he walks around naked and it's like the best thing ever. And he never had any shame or anything. He's just letting it all hang out. So he's just a communist sympathizer. Yeah, it sounds like Pretty it. Pretty much. But here's where it gets interesting again. People from Lanulos are not the only aliens he encountered. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions because he said he was a, in a confederation of planets. Yes. Okay. So there are also people from the planet Cerebus who seem to be fairly buddy-buddy with Indrid Cold. And these are what Lanulations call humanoids. Indrid Cold tells Woody that these humanoids are the ones that people have previously had contact with. So anybody who had had an alien encounter on Earth before it's likely that the encounter they had was with a humanoid and not a person from Lanulos 
or any okay. other planet. So when he says humanoid, it's like maybe a gray or something. Someone that has humanoid features, so but doesn't human. According to Woody, because he met one of these, they look exactly like human people, but they have like wrinkly red eyes. Red eyes. Yes. And their hair is, quote, like pin feathers on a chicken. Interesting. Yep. In this society on Cerebus, if you put something down, like set something down, the person who picks it up owns it. So if you're holding it, you own it, no matter what it is. Okay. I and touch it, it's mine. Exa that's exactly yeah. what it is. So it sounds, according to Indracold, this is like a, not a barbaric, but like a primitive people and they're essentially just coming to earth to like steal all our lunch money and stuff sure i you're i don't think you're gonna know the answer to this but isn't cerebus the name of like the dog that guards the gates yeah, of hades it? i think it is yeah is wow. it spelled the same way c-e-r-e-b-u-s yeah yeah interesting um so the interesting thing in this story is that injured cold apparently has some kind of hold over these humanoids because he goes to these humanoids and says, you need to leave Earth and never come back. Because essentially, they're just causing mischief. Right. I mean, they're not there for any purpose. Whereas the Lanulations are just trying to gather data. Mm, okay. Okay. They're very Vulcan. Yes. Yes, they really are. And we're like the Klingons. And the, the Cerebus are like the Ferengi. I don't know what a Ferengi is. Google it. I was going to say they're more just like the humans of Star Trek, where they're just kind of like neutral. in the middle, neutral. Yeah, They just do their thing. They exist. So that's essentially the whole story. There's there's more. I mean, he didn't just Woody didn't just get to visit Lanulos. They took him to Saturn and to Venus. That's where the I shouldn't say that's where the story starts to fall apart. But. Yeah, that I don't think visiting either of those planets is possible. Well, I mean, not only that, but the way he describes them is not... Not how they actually are. Yes. I mean, he, one of them is actually just a dome upside down that people live inside. And the rings of Saturn are light reflecting from a rainbow. <laughs> just, it's, it's yeah. not... So it can't go on a gas giant, and Venus is also... Doused with acid rain. Yes. So, I mean, not that any of this story is particularly credible, but once he started talking about that, about plants at, at which we actually know what they're like, and even in the 60s, they knew what yeah, they were like. Yeah. That's where it starts to get a little interesting. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> but that's essentially the whole story. Apparently, Woody remained in contact with Andrew Cold and his amigos for a long time, and he ended up giving talks at universities and stuff. So that means the universities universities had to pay him, most likely, to come and speak. Probably. Unless he volunteered. Maybe. Actually, that's not that hard to believe either. Because right. those types of, what are they called? MUFON? MUFON? MUFON. Yeah, they're dying to spread the word. Well, okay, towards the end of his book, he made it sound like the people from Lanulos were making more and more and more contact with humans. Like, enough that it seems weird that we would never have heard of them before. Like, I assume this yeah. is the first time you've heard of Lanulus because yes. it was the first time I have. Yeah, definitely. He also, in his book, goes on a tangent about the men in black and how men in black are not aliens, but government officials whose sole job is to discredit proof of alien races in order to keep a subordinate to their money-grubbing capitalist ways. Okay. Eventually, I mean... So he is a communist. Uh, yes, yeah. Not that that's like... But a it's it a bad thing. But during the Cold War, it probably would have been a bad thing. It seems like that's he. I mean, he was your average American family man in the 1960s. And then this experience turned him on to the whole Soviet message. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, if this was a thing that actually existed, I would be like down with it as well. Right. But I'm just saying, like, for the sake of playing devil's advocate, yes. I mean, this is a story. And. It was also during the Cold War, and this is describing, you know, Karl yes. Marx. So. Right. Well, I mean, okay, so eventually people were like, Woody, you're an idiot. And they started, <laughs> like, ridiculing him. He got harassing phone calls. People were trespassing on his property to, like, make fun of him and his family and stuff. Uh -huh. He ended up having a divorce for that reason because it was just, I think he, he, when this happened to him, he went all in. 
Like yeah. he was one person before the encounter and then afterwards he was his entire personality and outlook on life changed. So, of sure. course, he's not the same man his wife married. So there was like a bitter divorce. Kids were involved. Mm -hmm. It was sad. And he ended up actually having to move away from West Virginia because of his notoriety. Like people would just, sure. you know, egg his house and stuff. Even later, he said no matter where he went, he felt like the government was watching him. And he died at the age of 74 in 1990. But even with all of that shit that happened to him, he never, ever, ever denounced his story. He just stopped talking about it. Just huh. I'm sure if you asked him about it, he'd tell you, but he didn't like go out of his way. Yeah, to... not speaking at universities anymore. Yes, but it's interesting because in the book, he makes a point that he will become an evangelist and he's going to spread the word of Lanulos and tell the world. Interesting. So he obviously had a change of heart when yeah. opinion about him shifted. Right. So here is where Mothman comes in. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 not as exciting as you think. But Mothman, I mean, it happened same year, same yep. area. An investigator named John Keel. That's the man yep, who yep. wrote this deposition down. He yes. he was investigating. I recognize the name. Yep, he was investigating Mothman at the time. During John Keel's investigation, Andrew Cold actually called him oh. over the telephone, and he told John Keel, "Stop what you're doing, run away because there's a disaster coming." And as John Keel was leaving wherever he was. The Silver Bridge collapsed, killing 43 people. And I'm sorry, is this according to Woody or is this according to Keel? John Keel. Interesting. So he hadn't any prior contact with Indrid Cold. No, and I'm actually not sure because John Keel went, did a deep dive into oh, man. Woody Durenberger. So oh. I'm not sure if this occurred before or after he met Woody. Okay. This was just a story sure, I read sure. in passing. But, but either way, um, basically, the the implication then is that Indrid Cold knew of the existence of Mothman or whatever race Mothman yeah. is, and that it always brings on a disaster. Yes. It appears to people. Right. Mm. There's a lot of interesting bits about this story. Do but what, the, what actually is interesting is concept of aliens but occurring around the same place at the same time as mothman but this wasn't as well known right like what is it about west virginia in the 1960s became an alien magnet something in the water man okay. i don't know anyways that's the history of Indrid cold who was the, uh, he was referred to as the smiling man in yeah. the 1960s. So whether or not Blue Title had heard of this in any way before writing his story, that's that's the quote unquote real smiling man, sure. the original smiling man. I feel like I don't know that they're even slightly related. Yeah, or other than maybe, the smiling thing. As I said, the concept of the smiling man, I feel people don't know the story, but they've heard there's something in the back of your mind that has heard of the smiling man. So I feel like the creepypasta, like, I don't think it was really inspired by the story of Endred Cold. I, the only similarity in the actual story is the smile. Mm -hmm. But the only other similarity that doesn't even have to do with the story is the illustration that's associated with the creepypasta yeah. is the distorted image of Endred Cold. So yep. other than that, I feel like he probably didn't like steal no, the story. I'm sure or had, they had nothing to do with and each just other. Just a weird coincidence. Yes. Well, weird coincidence. I think the concept of the smiling man is one that kind of is in the back of everyone's mind. Like the thought of some rando smiling at you. Yeah, it's like a primal creepy. fear. Yes. It's just my original thought for this episode was that creepy pasta. And I was like, what's the background about yeah. that? And then it turned into Communist utopia, aliens, nudists. Yeah. But I love a good alien story. Yeah, as, this as one is very said. different from any I've ever heard. Yes, and it, they didn't do tests on him. They were like, "We and want you to know he, everything about us." Yeah, he was like a tourist guide. Yeah, as far as sightings of the Smiling Man since, since then, sure, it, we're not going to count the creepy pasta. Let's just right. assume that's yeah, a yeah. completely separate thing. A blogger in 2009 said that he drove past a grinning man on the highway outside of Roswell, New Mexico. 
Okay. A person on Reddit has claimed to be injured cold. The problem is that injured cold looks so much like a human. Yeah. That, I mean, none of these accounts really are ever going to hold water. No. There is a site called Trust No More that is asking people to submit any recent sightings of injured cold or a smiling man that they may have had or to keep an eye out for a tall, hairless man in a green or blue one-piece suit with a dark tan that can communicate telepathically and is seen near a UFO or watching you while you sleep. So if you come across any of those bad boys, let them know. Wait, so the the watching you in your sleep thing, where did that part come from again? From what I read, there was was one one instance of it in the 60s. A girl woke up to a a smiling man watching her sleep. And to me, that's scarier than any creepypasta. Well, especially if that actually happened. Yes. But yeah, I feel like that's either unrelated or if it is related, it'd be very weird because... Indrid Cold, like, isn't a menacing person or a menacing being. Right. So why He's would like he do that? He's like the definition of we come in peace. Yeah. So why would he be the rake in that instance? Right. So, it, I don't know. I think my conclusion is, A, Indrid Cold, interesting story, love an alien story. But the concept of a smiling stranger with an abnormal smile and crazy eyes is uniformly terrifying yeah. in any instance. And the, that's basically the only thing that connects yeah. any of these stories. And the dancing part too of the creepypasta is the part that like is yes, the insanity. It reminds me, sorry, it's just one last point about that creepypasta because I wanted to make this at the beginning of the episode too. It reminds me in the movie It when Pennywise does the dance at the end of the movie. It's like just a crazy thing where it's just unnatural yes. dancing. Well, it's unexpected. And unexpected, yeah. And it's taking something innocent and turning it into something ominous. Yeah, ominous or like uncanny valley. Yes. Like weird. But yeah, a very, very interesting story. I've never heard that before. What do you rate it on a scale of believability? <laughs> Unbelievability one for all of the scientific like bullshit. Yeah. But for interest, I give it an eight and a half. I okay, I'm gonna rate a little bit higher on believability. Most of his story I will admit is bullshit. What I like about it is West Virginia aliens, yeah. Mothman weird hotspot that's something i'm gonna need to look into so i do believe that he witnessed or experienced some sort of supernatural or what he believed to be supernatural occurrence at the beginning yes when he came in contact with the craft i i kind of believe that too but, yes, but i don't I think, think it's, the traveling thing no that that's where you lose me and yeah. i'm i I don't, visiting know. I don't know if maybe he's crazy or if he was making up a story for entertainment or to sell his book. F- yes. Well, he didn't write a book. It was. I thought you said he was. It was in his book. Oh, the investigator, investigator wrote a book. And oh, like had so it's his, like his witness statement. Yes. Yeah. I see. That's why I was calling it a deposition. I, I guess. see. Okay. So I don't know that he ever made money off of this at all. Other than possibly from universities speaking at them, but maybe even not that. Correct. So, I mean, I guess another point in his favor is what. He didn't really what's the try purpose? to monetize it. Yeah. And he's at not making money off of it. And actually it ruined his life in the end. Right. So I guess why would you do that on purpose? Like, why would you. I mean, unless you you thought it would make you money. I don't know. Maybe he gen- genuinely believed it happened. I don't know. Right. Anyway, I if you're finished, if you're done, Colleen, I have a listener story I would like to share. Awesome. So if you have a listener story for us, we will make those plugs at the end. But this listener story is from Kelsey. Hey, Kels. Kelsey. So this is a little bit longer, so I'm just going to read through it. And if you have any questions, let me know. Will do. So, if you're from the northern Wisconsin or upper peninsula of Michigan area, chances are you're familiar with the Paulding Light. The Paulding Light is a light phenomenon visibly practically any night, driving off of Highway 45 outside of Watersmeet, Michigan. The legend states that the light is the spirit of a railroad conductor, destined to remain at the location of his death, forever waving a light to serve as a warning to any visitors. All very good material for campfire stories and spooking your friends. So in high school, around 2003 or 2004, I took my first trip out to the light with a few friends of mine. 
we were feeling particularly adventurous, and after parking our cars, we walked up the barricade near the end of the parking area with some flashlights, and we planned to walk to the source of the light. When we arrived, we stood in the chilly evening air and thick darkness of the northern pines, staring at a faint light bobbing in the distance. None of us questioned that it was there. We'd all known people and family members who had seen it and shared their own experiences. Described as a benevolent spirit, none of us were scared, and we were all expecting to see something upon our arrival. We weren't disappointed to be welcomed almost instantly by the appearance of the light when we got out of the car. It appeared to blink in and out of focus, moving erratically in between the trees. Giddy with nervous energy and teenage bravado, my friends and I began walking through the woods, determined to find the source of the light, or at the very least get a better look at it. We walked along a well-defined path without ever seeming to get closer to the light, finally losing it completely. Cold, bored with the novelty of our trip, and not without some anxiety about being in the woods at night, my friends and I turned back. The light was visible once again, and we reached the trailhead. We all got back into the car and tore home along the road, recounting the experience and thinking it was pretty cool that we got in any kind of look at the ghost light. A few months later, a family friend was in the area visiting. She is a devout Catholic who has shared stories with me about participating in exorcisms and experiences with ghosts and demons. Our discussion at one point turned to the topic of the Paulding Light, and she expressed interest in visiting the area. Myself, my mother, our family friend, and her husband and son all drove out to the area discussing the story surrounding the legend. I was expecting to see the same small light far off in the distance upon our arrival. When we parked at the trailhead, the same bobbing light was visible, bouncing about in the trees. Some say the light is simply due to swamp gases or lights off of the highway shining into the trees. However, what happened when we got out of the car convinced me that the pulping light is most definitely something supernatural. As our small group moved through the darkness, quietly chatting to each other, the light stopped moving and seemed to hang still in the air. As we reached a metal barricade between the parking lot and the forest, our family friend and her son gently grabbed one another. At that same moment, the light made a swift movement toward us and became intensely bright. I stepped backward with a small gasp, taken aback by the sudden movement. The light seemed to hang right in front of us, a large orb glowing gently until it slowly faded and receded farther back into the woods, following the power lines that cut a swath through the woods. When the light rushed towards us, I was filled with a mixture of fear and wonder. I had never felt certain before that there were forces outside of the physical world that weren't always visible to our eyes. This experience solidified it for me. My friend and her son both said that the light had the sensation of a soul or a spirit attached to it, and I feel that because of the otherworldly awareness, the light was more receptive to and maybe even curious of our group. Very interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I've i never heard of that before. No, and I, I mean, I guess I'm from western Wisconsin. But even so, Northern we're kind of in the general area, and I've never heard of the, the Paulding Light before. It's just new no. to me. I'm wondering what the feeling of a soul is. She said yeah, it's a feeling of the, a soul. Her too. family friend who was the, the Catholic that was... Part of an exorcism previously, so right. I, I guess when I when I hear that, I feel like it's the same sensation that someone's watching you, but maybe a little less dangerous. Like you feel someone close. Yeah. So maybe when they saw this light, they felt like it was a being instead of just a light source. And the legend is that it's like a train conductor. Yes. Wonder what what they're doing, just hanging out in northern Wisconsin, still. Were they the, waiting the spirit, for? you mean? Yeah. I assume he died an untimely death, <laughs> and he's stuck. I mean, just like ghost stuff. <laughs> it's <laughs> just ghost, ghost stuff. stuff. Well, I mean, I don't know. That story is like it's weird. That because, is an interesting one. Yeah, because I'm not very familiar with like orbs. And orbs are a very common. Yeah, like occurrence, and they're all they almost always seem to be in a haunted area. Yeah, it's like if you watch any of those ghost hunter type shows, I feel like whenever they go somewhere, they're always catching orbs on camera. Like right. That's one of the things that is associated with any haunted house or anything like that. We should do an episode on orbs. Orbs. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about it, so I would definitely be interested. I've never experienced something like that. To me, 
I am more willing to believe in an alien thing than like a spiritual ghosty thing. Really? I'm like the exact opposite. Because I feel like aliens have to exist, but because of how vast the universe is, I feel like it's very unlikely that they visited us. But I'm more willing to believe in like a spiritual realm, like another plane of existence. Interesting. And not even like an afterlife, just like kind of a energy type thing. Yeah. I mean, I've got my own set of beliefs. I don't necessarily... Like, ghosts are... It's difficult for me. Ghosts? Ghosts? I... The thing about orbs, too, that I just want to quick say, it's so easy to say orbs are dumb because, like, it's literally a ball of light and it's not very scary. But I feel like if I was in Kelsey's shoes and I saw this, I would be very weirded out and terrified because it's, like, it's definitely not, like, she had made the point of too it's definitely not like swamp gas or yeah and <laughs> i don't even know what swamp gas is when people bring up swamp gas how what are there swamps in northern wisconsin that i'm unaware of well this was in michigan but up yeah well and also i feel like it based on the story it's very unlikely to be headlights from a car going through the trees too because it seemed like the light was actually interacting with them yes and i think that is kind of what lends the story credibility is that Kelsey herself seemed to be a skeptic, like, you know, I was a high school student, but then she clearly felt something. And And whether or not that was... Experienced something, not just felt it. Right, it's just, do you think that was because she was traveling with people who may have had stronger belief? Yeah, what's that that term where you're in, like, a group setting... It's, I don't think it's like mob mentality, no. but like that similar thing where like you all have the same witness statement because you're more keen or more susceptible to suggestion yeah. in a group setting. I, I don't, don't know. know. Just I don't think that would be the case, though, because I feel like you would see that light source right in front of you. There's no mistaking it. Thing about orbs is usually when I read about them, it's like I saw an orb in a picture that I took. Right. And then usually I'm like, you know what? It was probably your camera. Yeah. Or like a reflection some of something. something. But in this instance, especially since it's a it's a well known phenomenon, you'd think Supposedly I hadn't heard about it before. Yes. But I mean clearly she and all of her friends in high school had heard right. of it. And then they were able to actually locate and see it twice on for multiple her occasions you'd think that would be a more of a studied phenomenon you know what i mean like they'd have figured it out by now maybe they're trying to keep it hush hush to not you know kelsey have you ever been visited by a man in black if we ever go to that area i want to go there find it let's do it let's do it road trip (laughs) anyways kelsey you're coming with us kelsey take us there (laughs) um and any other listeners, if you have seen that light, if anybody has taken a picture of that light or had other experiences, send them on over because yeah. I'd be very interested to read other and instances if, of and it. And if you have your own personal experience unrelated to orbs, anything that has been spooky, yeah. or if you've even written a creepypasta and you would like us to read it, send it over as long as it's not too long. I want to keep it a little short at the end of our episodes. Yeah. You can send us a DM. On Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, all of those are at NerdslothHQ, or if you would prefer to email, the email address is contact at NerdSloth.com. And I hope you enjoyed this story about the Smiling Man, even though it went in several different directions. All of this was very new to me, though. I only knew about the creepypasta. I didn't know about Indrid Cold. I didn't know about the Paulding Light. Yeah. New stuff. You learned something new. Anyways, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for getting a little spooky. And I'm hosting next week, and it's going to be teaser, a absolutely true story. All right. Well, we love y'all. Bye. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com. 